Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Today, two conversations for the price of one. Later on, a unique gift idea for Mother's Day. But first, a new report says the Asian American population is growing faster than ever. People of Asian descent now make up 7% of the U.S., and that number has doubled in the last two decades. The Pew Research Center predicts that Asian Americans will be the largest immigrant group in the country by 2060. Since May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, we wanted to dive into these trends a little deeper. So let's bring in WBEZ reporter Esther Yoonji Kang. Hi, Esther. Hi, Sasha. Esther, the Asian American community, it's very diverse. Tell us what's driving this surge in immigration and, and where folks are coming from. Well, the increase in immigration is largely happening among people with H-1B work visas. So those are highly skilled workers um, and also international students. Since 2001, half of the H-1B visas, which require a bachelor's degree or equivalent, have gone to Indians. So Indians actually account for a lot of the population coming to the U.S. And then there are also a lot of students coming from Asian countries, particularly China, they come for work or, or to study. Many are choosing to stay, you know, applying for more permanent status, raising families and things like that. And we use the term Asian Americans a lot, but folks are coming from many different countries. So tell us who is considered a part of this group that for perhaps people don't recognize. Like, who are we not seeing when we think right. of Asian Americans? Right, right. So a lot of people, when they hear the word Asian Americans, uh, they think of the more well-known ethnicities, right? So often those are East Asians, Chinese, Japanese, uh, Koreans, um, and South Asians like Indians. But, you know, Asia is a huge continent. So you've got Burmese, Nepalese, Cambodian, Sri Lankan, Bhutanese, Hmong. It's, it's a really diverse group of origin countries, and each of them have their own unique challenges. Now, you also, for your research, you spoke with one of the authors of this study. His name is Neil Ruiz, and he talked about some of the inequalities that we see between the different Asian immigrant groups in the country. Let's listen to some of that. Asian Americans actually have the widest gap between the top earners, the top 10 percentile, versus those at the bottom. And then also we noticed when we trended from 1970 on to 2016, um, those at the bottom 10 percentile um, haven't really grown in terms of their income, whereas those at the top for Asian Americans has really taken off. Esther, tell us a bit more about your conversation with Neil. What else did he have to say about that? Well, first of all, he kind of established that it's really important to disaggregate the data when you're looking at Asian Americans and to actually look at 
individual origin countries, as he calls them. Uh, for example, Asians have a median household income in the United States of over $80,000 a year. And that's actually more than $20,000 higher than the overall U.S. median household income. Um, wow. But Neil, when I, you know, when I spoke to him, he said, you, when you dig deeper, you see wide disparities between people at the top. So that would be uh, people of Indian origin who have a median income household of like $119,000. And then those at the bottom, um, which are Burmese Americans who have a household median income of uh, $44,000. And so like we talked about earlier, a lot of the higher earning people are people who are coming into the U.S. already highly skilled and highly educated. That Pew Research Center report shows that uh, a majority of the nation's 18.9 million Asian Americans live around big cities in California and four other states, New York, Texas, New Jersey, and Illinois, of course. So talk to us about our area. Which, which group of Asian Americans is represented most here in Chicago? Here in the Chicago area, Indian Americans make up the majority of Asians. So that's about 35%, uh, 35% according to my analysis of Census Bureau data. And they're followed by Filipinos and, and Chinese residents. And those are pretty neck and neck, um, very close uh, in number. And I think the important thing to know is that in the context of the entire Chicago metropolitan population, Asians sort of all together actually only make up about six, 6.5% of residents. And so when we're saying that, the, you know, populations are doubling and, and by 2060, they're going to reach this majority, like it's because the population was pretty small to begin with compared to the rest of the, the U.S. population, but it is definitely rapidly growing. And here in Chicago, which group would you say is represented the least here? There are very small populations of Bangladeshi, uh, Hmong, Indonesian, Malaysian, um, Sri Lankan, and I think Bhutanese folks. There's small pockets of, of those folks. Now, Esther, talk to us about how this recent rise of anti-Asian violence and racism that we've talked about so much here at WBEZ and here on Reset, how has this affected this growing population we have here? Yeah, there's definitely uh, a lot of concern uh, that more such incidents are going to happen with the weather warming up and um, things open up here in, in Chicago. And, you know, we heard about the incident on Saturday where a man drove a truck into a group of picnickers in uh, Chicago's Logan Square neighborhood. Witnesses say that they heard him yell anti-Asian comments during the incident and yesterday he was charged with four counts of attempted first degree murder, but prosecutors have not mentioned the anti-Asian comments that the man had made. So I found that to be notable. Pew, the group that did the demographic analysis, did another study very recently, and that found that eight in 10 Asian adults surveyed said violence against them is increasing. And Pew was actually careful to note that the survey was done only in English. Um, and I think that's because, you know, some say that the fear is even greater in immigrant communities where people have limited English proficiency. So I think, Sasha, if you were to conduct that survey in people's native tongues, mm -hmm. that number would probably be even greater. Esther, I know you've been having a lot of conversations around this anti-Asian violence. You yourself are an Asian woman um, who has been trying to deal with, with, with all of this and make sense of this. Do, do you get a sense that there is still a number of incidents that are underreported? Yeah, I mean, that bears out in my reporting. Um, 
you know, there are about 4,000 incidents that were reported just to one tracker last year, um, the Stop AAPI Hate Tracker. Uh, but even the founder of the tracker himself said that a lot of cases are going underreported. And that's due to various reasons. You know, people have cultural reasons why they just want to keep their heads down and not report. Um, but there's also people who say that there's a futility in reporting this because often cops, you know, police won't do anything about it. And there's just a, a number of reasons why. Yeah. But absolutely, they uh, these cases are going underreported. You also spoke with... Shobna Verma. She's executive director of the South Asian American Policy and Research Institute. Let's take a listen to her perspective on on some of the issues that Asian Americans are facing right now. Given the growth of our community, um, we definitely also have seen a wide range of increasing needs and challenges. We do have a high rate of, you know, poverty, lack of education, language access barriers, healthcare issues. We've been concerned, you know, about a community safety. We've had hate crime incidents. What else did Shobna have to say? Yeah, Shobna talked a lot about, you know, all the challenges. And she said that some of these issues are very similar to those faced by other immigrant communities and low-income people. So access to health care, she talked about recovering from the economic impact of, of the pandemic. There's also some hesitation to take advantage of relief programs. Um, Shobna talked a lot about the lack of civic and voter engagement uh, in in South Asian communities, and she you know she said that that's a lot of that is because they're not getting contacted by people running for office by the government um, to to get involved. And so there's people who've been living here in the United States for 25, 30 years who have yet to get involved um, to vote, things like that. And so that's mm-hmm. definitely one of the bigger issues. Um, but you know the one huge thing underlying a lot of these challenges is actually language access. That's such a major impediment to healthcare, to recovery from the pandemic, to education, to voter engagement. So that's something that, you know, I think people need to be paying attention to. And as Shovna talked about some of these challenges and and, and um, the perception of, of Asian Americans Can you tell us how that impacts other minority groups? I'm thinking particularly of the black and brown communities. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I mean, there's this perception that Asians are all doing well and don't need help. And um, a lot of people think that this idea pits Asians against other, you know, groups of uh, minority groups like the, you know, like you mentioned, black and brown communities. And the model model minority um, idea is actually a myth. And we just talked about that, that the disparity that that exists among Asian communities. Um, The good news is here in the Chicago area, there's been some efforts at solidarity. For example, some Asian clergy and black clergy recently got together. They shared histories of oppression. They talked about how they can partner together to sort of combat these uh, sources that are leading to inequity. So I think that that's one bright spot for sure. So the population is growing, but there are still some challenges to overcome. You just mentioned language barriers. What else are you going to be keeping an eye on, Esther, when it comes to this community here in Chicago? Yeah, one big thing I'll be paying attention to is the TEACH Act. Um, It's the Teaching Equitable Asian American Community History Act, HB 376. It's a bill that aims to add Asian American history to curricula in Illinois public schools. And it's actually getting voted on by the State Senate Education Committee this afternoon. Um, And if that passes and, and passes the full Senate, gets signed into law, then 
Um, I, along with, I'm sure my colleagues on the education desk will be watching for how implementation goes in all the local school districts across the state. Um, I'm also going to be paying attention to redistricting because that's, you know, of course, the, the process, the once in a decade process of redrawing maps right. for congressional districts and awards. And um, I'll be seeing how this year's process uh, affects communities of color, including Asian Americans. Wonderful. And if that bill gets passed, we most certainly will have to have you back. That is WBEZ race, class and communities reporter Esther Yoonji Kang. Thank you, Esther. Thanks, Sasha. Vamos a querer toda la vida. Si nos dejan, Let's switch gears and talk about Mother's Day. It's this Sunday, in case you forgot. You've given flowers and scarves, and you've taken her out for brunch. So how about something really different, like her very own serenade from a world-famous mariachi band? The group Mariachi Herencia de Mexico is made up of young people from across Chicago. They're booking serenades for Mother's Day, or Dia de las Madres. Here with more are two members of the group, Melanie Juarez and Marco Viela. Melanie and Marco, welcome to Reset. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Thank you both for being here. Melanie, I'll start with you. You play guitar and you sing in the group. How long have you been with the ensemble? I've been in the group for about three years now. I first began a year later after they had been together. So I felt very welcome. Marco, how about you? You sing and you play the trumpet. Tell us how you got started with Mariachi Herencia. So I started uh, with Mariachi Herencia when the program first came about back in 2016. I've had like maybe a year or two of experience with trumpet. So I decided to expand my music my knowledge in music genres and just like music overall, just get more immersed with uh, music as a whole, especially with music from my culture and tradition, which is uh, uh, Mexican. And so I wanted to learn about mariachi music, which is the music of my parents, the grandparents and ancestors that come from Mexico. So I joined back in 2016. And since then, We've been playing all over the state, and it's been a great time. That's wonderful. So tell us, Marco, how exactly this Mother's Day serenade works, especially during a pandemic. Of course, we always take the uh, precautionary measures of staying uh, six feet apart from everyone, make sure we have our masks on when we're playing. But, of course, we're going to be playing um, music dedicated to mothers around the world, mothers that uh, have raised us, have supported us through everything. And this is just like our thank you to the mothers by playing them beautiful music from Mexico. So, Melanie, will, so will you will you all be together? Yes. Yeah, so, depending on, I guess, who contracts us, we're going to be together as an entire group. We've been um, already rehearsing to making sure that our music is well played, well memorized, and that, you know, we're sharing good music for the mothers. We're also learning very special music, how... Al Marco had mentioned. So we're going to be playing it with a lots of love. And we really hope that, you know, the mothers are well um, aware of how much gratitude we have for them. Why do you think that it's the perfect music for Mother's Day, Melanie? 
I definitely think mariachi. Um, I mean, not to be biased, but I mean, I know for my birthday, Las Mañanitas is a very popular song. And so I guess for Mother's Day, mariachi music is, it's not only calm and relaxing, but mariachi music is a very, it's not only about the music, but it's about who's playing the music and about the love that is coming from the music. All right, let's hear a little bit more from your group. So, Marco, you've had to make all these adjustments and pivot throughout this pandemic. How are you all learning to play together again as an ensemble? So we're just practicing. Uh, we practice uh, like sectionals. Of course, we still um, just be careful around uh, make as less contact as possible just to avoid spreading more of the, the virus around. And now, thankfully, it's slowing down since the temperature is getting warmer, so we're able to practice together as a group again. And we're starting to get back into practicing how we normally would mm-hmm. uh, as a whole group, but we're just taking it uh, baby steps little by little. We'll be practicing like we were before. That sounds amazing. Melanie, before we go, you know, it looks like you will be able to tour again this summer. So quickly, where are you looking forward to going the most? I know we have Indiana. I think it's very close from home and we've played there a few times. And honestly, just having that close from home, just having that road trip to think about is something that gets me very excited because we haven't really been together as a group in a long time. And so I guess I'm just looking forward to creating new memories. That's Melanie Juarez and Marco Villela. They're both 17 and they're both members of Chicago's fantastic youth ensemble, Mariachi Herencia de Mexico. If you're looking for something really special and different for Mother's Day, Go to their website for more information. That's mariachiherenciademexico.com. Melanie and Marco, thank you so much, and keep playing that awesome music. And that's today's Reset. Do us a favor. Give us a rating or review. It really helps other people discover the podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.